see you here today. It's so great to be with you in church this morning, and I want to welcome you. If you're not familiar, my name is Troy, and I'm privileged to serve as one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to welcome you to worship this morning. Uh, We're finishing up a sermon series today called One Another, and we're going to be in the book of Philippians, or the letter of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And then we're also going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 3. Um, And so if you bring your Bible with you that actually has pages and bookmarks, you can do that. If you have an app, I just want to let you know where we're going. It's going to be Philippians chapter 2 and then Genesis chapter 3. All right, Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. This is the word of the Lord. Adopt the attitude of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. And when he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, So that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now listen. This is not a church that like shouts amen a lot. And I'm okay with that. But if you ever wanted to, a really, hey, thank you, a really good place to do it would be after I read those last two verses again. Maybe we could try it all out together. Ready? So that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, can I get an amen? Amen. All right, thank you. All right, we are finishing our series, as I mentioned, called One Another. And here's what um, I failed to mention this entire time. Whenever you see in your Bibles, whenever you see the phrase each other or the phrase one another, specifically if you're reading in the New Testament, the New Testament begins with the book of Matthew, goes all the way to the book of Revelation. If you're reading in, in the New Testament and you see the word each other or one another, that is actually one single word in the original language. And that one single word that's translated each other or one another shows up in those books, Matthew through Revelation, over a hundred times, over a hundred times. And most of the times that that word shows up or that phrase in English, it's used to say how the, the community of people that follows Jesus, it's used to signify how we live out the truth of what Jesus has done in us. And so Jesus says, this is how everyone will recognize. This is how everyone will ID you. They're not going to ID you with a thumbprint or with DNA. This is how people will know who you are. They'll know who you are by the way that you love each other or love one another. 
So every time that phrase each other or one another shows up, most of the time what's happening is is that the writers of the Bible are trying to say to a group of people who are patterning their life after Jesus, this is the way you live out. This is how you walk it out, what Jesus has done in your heart and in your life. And so the the way the whole world knows who we are is by the way that that community of people loves each other. So over and over and over again, followers of Jesus, people who have said, I'm in, followers of Jesus are encouraged to treat one another well. They're commands. So we're commanded to be at peace with one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to speak the truth to one another, to Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. To forgive one another. This one's going to be some of y'all's favorites. To greet one another with a holy kiss. Maybe we could practice that this morning. Kiss cam in the church. To be hospitable with one another. To be hospitable with one another. And the list goes on and on. Some of y'all be making out right now, which is gross. The list goes on and on and on. And when the Bible mentions these things, Jesus is used as the example. So it's forgive one another as Jesus has forgiven you. Love one another the way that Jesus loves you. Bear one another's burdens because there was someone named Jesus who bore all of your burdens and took them to the cross. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another because there's someone who humbled himself and lowered himself. And now there are other dynamics, but the chief factor that the the writers of the Bible want to say about how people will know that, that our faith is believable, the chief factor is the way that we treat each other, the way that we love one another. And so when we don't do those things well, when we don't forgive each other well, when we don't bear one another's burdens well, when we don't speak truth to one another well, instead we speak lies or we speak about each other, when we don't do those things well, what ends up happening is that our credibility, and not just our personal credibility, but the credibility of our faith is diminished. Because how will people know that Jesus is true? How will people know that Jesus is the way? How will they know that Jesus is alive if he's not alive in us? In us. And so the lack of doing those one another's well diminishes credibility of our faith, but it also impacts us personally. Because here, here's the thing. If we don't have anyone in our life who will bear our burdens well or will speak truth to us, if we don't have anyone in our life who doesn't extend hospitality to us when we need it the most, not only will our witness about Jesus be powerless, but we ourselves will suffer because we're lacking that connection. Here's what I think we fail to realize about ourselves as people, just as people. As people, we have been created in the image of God. And part of what that means 
is that we've been created and designed for community. Here's why I say that. When I say we've been created in the image of God, I'm talking about the Christian God. And the Christian God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. So within God himself, there exists this circle of community. In fact, one of my favorite ways to think about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three and one, is to think of of the circle dance. So how many of you have seen the super old movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Or how many of you have been at a wedding reception with children involved? Often what ends up happening is people link arms and they dance in rhythm with each other. And it's three persons, but in that moment, as they're dancing in rhythm with each other, they're one. So when you think of God, you have to think about God as Father. You have to think about God as Son. And you have to think about God as Spirit. But they don't exist apart from each other. They exist in community, moving and circling and living and breathing together. And it's that God's image that we have been created in. Which means, from the various earliest moments of our life, we were designed to need authentic, real, vulnerable community. We need it. But in order to live in that kind of community, that takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of work. Because we're going to have to combat isolation and withdrawal. To live in that kind of community that we're designed and created for, it means that we're going to have to resist some practices and habits that pull us away from that. Because what's been handed down to us is broken. What's been passed down to us from Eden is this repeated pattern of brokenness. So if you know your Bible, you know that Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 tell the story about how God created everything. And when God created everything, it existed in harmony and relationality. But there existed early on in creation this problem. And the only problem was this, is that the human person that God created was alone. There was no one who could relate to that person. They didn't exist in this authentic and vulnerable community, and that bothered God. So God fixed that and made Eve. And the language that the Bible uses to describe the relationship that Adam and Eve shared is this, is that they were naked and they felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. They had that kind of of connection. Now, as like Western Americans, we kind of turn that into like some sort of like sexual language. But it's not. It's just a description of their relationship, a description of the kind of connection that they shared. And then all of a sudden in the story, a serpent shows up. And the serpent shows up and tempts them, and he tempts them by going after their relationship. So the, the serpent says, hey, I think the only reason that God told you not to eat 
from that tree is because he doesn't want you to become like him. He's sowing seeds of distrust, and he's doing that by targeting their relationship. So Eve eats it and shares it with Adam. And then here's the scene, Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 6. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then they both saw clearly and knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. And during that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And that's what would happen. God literally would walk with his people, like taking, taking an evening walk after dinner. And the man and his wife, notice what they do. They hid themselves from the Lord in the middle of the garden's trees. One of the most heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture is Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? And the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, well, who told you that? Who even told you that you were naked? Did you eat from that tree? I told you not to do it. And the man said, this is such a man. Well, the woman, and look, doesn't even take any responsibility. It was the woman, and you gave me the woman. I didn't ask for the woman. I was sleeping. I woke up the next morning, and the woman was there. I didn't ask for that woman, God. I don't know what you're talking about. It was the woman, your fault. You gave her to me. She gave me some food. I'm a man. I'm hungry. I ate the food. kind of pathetic, isn't it? It's like the story of creation and nothing has changed. And the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman says, the snake. It was a snake. Listen, not my fault. Easily deceived. Snake tricked me and I ate. Now notice, the very first thing to be affected by humanity's fall is the way that humans relate to each other. Because our default mode as humans went from being naked and feeling no shame, existing, in other words, in authentic community with each other. And what happens after the fall? We feel shame and we blame because of that. And so we go from the foundation of relationships being authentic and vulnerable, vulnerable connection to each other. And now what's happening is we're hiding from each other and we're blaming each other. And so Adam and Eve existed in this authentic and vulnerable relationship with themselves and also with God. They fall from all of that and all of a sudden now, the thing that's lost is that connection. And so we have to hide, we blame, and we cover up. Now here's the deal. If you are here this morning, 
and you on some level are experiencing loneliness. If on some level you would say, I am looking for that authentic community, that relationship where I can know someone and they can know me, and there's no blame or shame or hiding. If you're feeling that way and and you feel kind of dumb because the device in your phone connects you to hundreds of people and you're surrounded at work or at school or in your neighborhood by dozens of people, but you still don't feel like anybody really knows you and you don't feel like you really know anybody. If you're here this morning and you're lonely, hear this. You are not lonely because something's wrong with you. You are lonely because something is gloriously right with you. You were created for the kind of connection with other humans that is authentic and real and could be described as being completely vulnerable and feeling no shame. That is what you were designed for. And if you are living with anything less than that, you will feel lonely. Because you were created for that kind of connection. Now can I just tell you, yeah, that's great. Can I just tell you that if you feel that loneliness and you're not experiencing it, as opposed to saying there's something wrong with me, I need to fix it, And the fixing of that often leads us into ways that are not helpful. It leads us into relationships that don't help us. They end up harming us. It leads us into places of connection that just is not peaceful or where we find rest. Instead of trying to fix that thing because you would think you're broken, maybe use it instead to remind yourself you're human. And that's good. And that's okay. But at the same time, this. We're also part of the problem. We're part of the problem. All of us are. All of us have inherited Adam and Eve's stuff. We have it in our bones. And so here's what we do. We hide from each other. Like when things get hard in relationships or weird or awkward, what do we do? We hide. We hide. Or when we share something in like a social setting and people don't respond how we want them to respond, we ghost. We hide. Or we try to open up to our spouse about like a worry that we're having or a fear or an anxiety because we want that connection. We need that kind of authentic relationship but they don't pay attention. Um, and they didn't pay attention like you wanted them to the very first time. So you're not going to try again. You hide. And our default setting now as humans is to do what Adam and Eve did. It's to hide and it's to blame. And so when things don't go right, or when we don't get that connection that we thought we should get or that we needed to get, we hide, but we also blame. We blame our spouse, 
We blame our church because the people in that church don't know how to receive. We, we blame all of that. We blame God. God, why did you make me this way? I didn't ask for this. And the, re- the difficult reality is there are no like magic bullets to fix this whole thing. There are no magic bullets. It's not like you can't like, get a new group of friends. A new group of friends is not the magic bullet. A new spouse is not the magic bullet. A new church is not the magic bullet. The only solution is the hard work of authentic and vulnerable relationships demonstrated to us by Jesus on the cross. That's the only way forward because here's what happened. Jesus died on the cross and his body was in this posture. Was in this posture. Arms completely open. Arms open to the whole world. And this is the ultimate posture of vulnerability. I mean, if I walked up to you like this, there are quite a few things you could do to me. You could slap me. You could punch me. You could feel real awkward about it, and you could just, like, slap my hand because you're like, no, I'm not doing that hug, man. I'm not, I'm not doing that hug. You could hug me. You could walk around me. There's all sorts of things you can do to me in this posture. You could reject me and just leave me standing like this, lonely in the lobby. But this is how Jesus gave his life for the world. This is the posture of God's love. And this is how Jesus demonstrated his world. Like this. This is how he modeled for us the way we are to live in relationship with each other. Like this. Open. Vulnerable. So in Philippians 2, Paul writes the words that we read earlier today. And contrary to how we often interpret that passage of Scripture, Paul wasn't writing those words to like, Settle arguments about big theological stuff, like the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. I mean, certainly speaks of that, but that wasn't his intention. He wrote these words to clarify for us the way that the people who are following Jesus ought to live. In other words, it's Paul saying to the church, this is what Jesus did. This is how we should live, too. So Paul says, in your relationships with each other, the way that you are related right now to the person who is on your right, left, in front of you, and behind you, your relationships with each other should assume this posture. In your relationships with each other, have the same way of thinking, have the same mindset as Jesus. Think this arms wide open. That's how we are to relate to one another. And to to love like Jesus, it means a lot of things, but here's what it has to mean. It has to mean an open heart. An open heart. It has to mean that we become more and more and more real and authentic and vulnerable. It means more openness, not less. Because as we open ourselves up, here's what happens. 
we let go of some things. We let go of pride and privilege. We drop our own rights. And this open, vulnerable service towards each other, that's the mind of Jesus. It's the new default mode for people who are living in the way of Jesus in the world. Hiding, shame, blame. That was the default mode for people who were stuck before Jesus came to us. But as we follow Jesus, we get a new mind and we get a new heart and it causes us to live a certain kind of way. It causes us to live the way of love. Now, if you relate to people like this, let's be real. It's risky. It's risky. People can take advantage of you when you assume this posture. People can hurt you. And if you keep your arms open, it's really tough to fight back. It's risky. And can we also be real? It hurts. It hurts. You know, when Jesus was assuming this posture for the whole world, it, wa- it wasn't like the pain wasn't real. It was excruciating. It was crushing. I mean, he died a painful death. But this is the posture of heaven. And hear this, church. The only place outside of heaven where we are free from the dangers of loving like this, the only place outside of heaven where that exists is hell. That's it. There's nowhere else we can go. There's no other safe zone. Because the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is authentic and vulnerable Love extended to all people, even enemies. And enemies, when they see an enemy walking towards them like this, enemies know well to take full advantage. But as we approach people with this kind of a posture, we are approaching people in the way of love, empowered by the spirit of the resurrected Jesus who lives within us. And listen, the crucifixion, is the one that is the event that absorbed all of the power of evil in the world. And the cross is the most beautiful thing on the earth. But hear me out. If it was just the cross that Christians celebrated, it wouldn't be enough. Because three days later, what happened is that God the Father in the power of the Spirit looked at His Son who absorbed all of that shame and all of that pain and all of that brokenness as He embraced the world with a a posture of love. And God the Father, through God the Spirit, said to God the Son, yes, that is it. That's how it's always been. And God's Son was raised to new life, forever breaking the power of sin and death and the grave. And I'm preaching now because you need to hear this. You don't have to be afraid to love anymore. You don't have to. It's going to hurt you. And I can't take that pain away. But that pain is temporary because it demonstrates to us the reality of the power of God in this world through broken vessels and people just like you and me. Get rid of the fear. There's no fear in love because perfect love has driven out all fear. Instead, you're free. You and I, we're free. Open up those arms. If someone rejects you, they rejected Jesus. 
If someone belittles you, they belittle Jesus. If someone soils your name and tarnishes your, 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 your reputation, they did that to Jesus too. If people leave you for dead, they did it to Jesus, but God will never do it to you. He's with you in those moments. How is it that the world knows the reality of God's love? How does that happen? It doesn't happen when we fail to love one another well. It happens when we assume the posture of God in this world. And we live a life with arms wide open.